Rewind with Oshin Langan. This is the Rewind on News Talk. Coming up, we've got more on Tipperary's fantastic win over Cork in the Munster Football Championship. Plus, we'll talk hurling with Ursula Jacob and Michael Walsh as we look back on Kilkenny being at their crushing best with their win over Dublin. And we look ahead to Tips meeting with Limerick. There's also rugby with Dave Corkery as Ireland beat South Africa despite the fact that they were down to 14 men for the bulk of the game. Also a fantastic win for the under-20s over New Zealand. Now obviously we put this together on Monday so it's kind of pointless putting Euro 2016 stuff in as the Ireland game may well have been played by the time you get around to listening to us. If you want content on Ireland go to newstalk.com forward slash Euro 2016 on the um, slim chance that you're listening before the 5 o'clock kickoff, there's build-up on the uh, more likely occurrence that you're listening at some point after the game, then go there for reaction. Also, off the ball, by the way, live from France across the next uh, couple of weeks. We start with Tipperary's fantastic win over Cork. 3.15 to 2.16, the final score in Thurles in the Munster semi-final. The Premier now meet Kerry in the final in Killarney on July 3rd. Tip reaction in a second, but first, here is Cork boss, Pader Healy. I give great credit to Tipperary here at home. We certainly didn't underestimate Tipperary coming up here uh, this evening. Look, we conceded too much. We were trying to rectify that all year. And uh, 2.16, if we were told we scored 2.16 today and you're coming up here to Tipperary, you would hoping to get you over the line, but it didn't. Um, we um, Too many turnovers in the first half. Eight wides and... Uh, just, we just took, we just took too much all of us, and after just too much all of us get back, we brought it level. And as from a resulting 50 and a resulting free, Tipperary kicked on, and it's great credit due to Tipperary. It's easy to say in retrospect, but in the first half you seemed a bit confused as to what your game plan was. Is that a fair comment, or was it just that it didn't come together? I know I wouldn't agree with you there at all. Um, I just felt like we had the opportunities. Don't forget, like we did eight wise, Tipperary had zero, like, and you give great credit to Tip now for that, but. If, it might have been another story if we didn't kick the eight wides, if it was four wides or five wides, you know, uh, but we've been in a better position at half time. I, I wouldn't agree with what you say there. Patter Healy, the Cork boss. Michael Quinlivan scored 1 3 for tip. We'll get his thoughts in a second. But first, here's experienced Premier County midfielder George Hannigan, who wasn't part of either the 2010 or 2015 Munster Under-21 successes. Obviously, he didn't play in 2011 when Tipperary won the All-Ireland minor title. This is what the victory means to him and some of the older players like Philip Austin. Yeah, well, I suppose there's a certain generation that was there, maybe 28, 29, that we haven't won any Munster final. It's probably four or five of us. And then the rest of the team have won minors and 21s. And I suppose there's a certain few of us there in the team who are probably sick of looking at other lads getting the glory and, and winning medals and we want to win medals too I think you know, I was even talking there to Philip before the game that there's nine in the team of one monster medals or ten of them and five of us happened like and I suppose when you look at the papers and you hear lads talking on the radio it's all about minors and 21s and to be honest we're sick of minors and 21s we just need to win something at senior level because uh, it'd be a shame for that generation of players who are I suppose my my era not to win at and because we know the other lads are going to win something in time and I suppose we, it's great that Dave came along and helped us out and uh, you know hopefully we we do that Michael Quinlivan Tipperary full forward you've beaten Cork in the Munster Senior Football Championship for the first time since 1944 try to describe to me how that feels um, phenomenal really 70 years is a long time you know and there's a lot of demons there especially from two years ago where we probably should have gotten over the line then and you know, I think we've exercised a few of them today. It's just, but you know, at the same time, it's only a semi-final, and we have to go forward now and play in a monster final. You know, we won't be getting ahead of ourselves, and uh, th- you know, we look forward to going down to Kerry and giving Kerry a go as well. So, you know, we'll enjoy it. We'll enjoy it tonight. It, me- it does mean a lot. I suppose I'm probably downplaying it a bit, but trying to stay a bit grounded too, because you know, we we could really get ahead of ourselves here, and you know, Kerry are waiting for us now down in down in, in Clarny it's good that you're looking forward but how important is it that you take a day or two to enjoy this because yeah. this is this is a seminal moment for Tipperary and maybe a seminal moment for football as well because you know yourself every underdog is looking at you like you're the new Leicester yeah it must be the year of the underdog this year um, who knows what we could do yet but uh, yeah we'll definitely enjoy it for the next couple of days I think um, there's a lot of lads in that dressing room who have waited a long time to, to, to reach a monster final there was Lads, okay. There's lads who we were saying beforehand that they would they would classify, you know, not reaching a monster final as a big failure in their career. So that demon is exercised, and 
I think uh, Clamell will be good fun tonight, I'd say, hopefully. <laughs> what was the difference between today's performance and we'll say that game two years ago in Cork when you should have beaten them? Um, I think the experience of two years ago definitely stood to us today anyway. Um, you know, Cork came roaring back at us, you know, and it would have been another great, tragic moral victory for Tipperary. You know, as, as good as we have been for the last couple of years and they've been shoots, um, we still hadn't taken a scalp. You know, we'd always gotten to that stage where we were playing a, a team that was a small bit better than us and we just couldn't get there. So I think this is a huge step for that. It probably, it overshadows, you know, there's a lot of talk saying that we've had some great underage teams and that sort of thing. You know, hopefully now this is the start of it, starting to translate it to senior. And, you know, if this is the beginning, hopefully it inspires a few more who are there today to, to take off the big ball too, like... In a situation like this, it's normally the player who swears because they're so excited, but I'm going to swear here. You showed balls out there. I mean, there was times when Cork attacked and you didn't put 15 men behind the ball like the, and I'm going to use this term, I hope you're not offended by it, like the weaker county is supposed yeah. to do, like that the underdog is supposed to do. Yeah, um, I suppose, you know, we had our game plan. I don't think it's natural for us to do that. Um, we, we've tried dropping we drop back a small bit naturally but we never really do play a blanket defence it's not really in our nature we've always been a team that will, will go at you and you know some days it can be rewarding like you know we played Leash a couple of years ago and kicked a phenomenal score you know we kicked a great score great score today you know 20, 24 points or something is it with the goals is, is fair going now so, 3.15 yeah. yeah so like that's 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 you know, a, a, a very high score to be getting against what's a Division One team. You know, even though they did get relegated, you know our scoring over the last couple of years has dipped a little when we go up a small level. So I think we'd be very happy with that. But we definitely have things to improve on too. You know, um, we probably we went toe to toe with Cork today. It stood to us. They kicked a few wides, but. You know, we'll have a new game plan for Kerry and we'll see where that'll take us then as well. He looked incredibly well drilled. He used the ball really well. There was always guys running off the shoulder. There was always guys in the right position to run onto a ball up front. That takes a while to implement that kind of plan. Liam Kearns must take an awful lot of credit yeah, for that. Yeah, um, we've changed our game a lot this year. I think uh, definitely we, you know, we've we've a new kind of method of attacking. We we focus on our attack and play a lot this year, and you know we're very happy with the way it's been going over the last while you know, I thought we caused, caused Cork serious problems today with our you know our running off the shoulder and you know we could have had probably three or four more goals there um, the scoreline probably didn't reflect that so you know we're really happy with that Liam does take a lot of credit because you know he's changed that a small bit we were predominantly a running team completely you know we started kicking it in a bit more I think we, we mix it up well and you know we play to our strengths so yeah. I think that that really the game plan came off today and we're pretty happy now about getting over the line in a very good way there seems to be a chip on the shoulder of this team a lot of talent lost that's been talked about all through the year yeah. but there seems to be an attitude of hey we're pretty good the guys yeah, exactly. who are still in the panel are pretty I good too that's, that's the thing that people forgot they forgot the quality players that were still left there you know obviously we've lost some serious talent off, the, off this group you know there's no, there's no disputing that but you know I think we, we were a bit overlooked you know that, there's a lot of lads in that dressing room where the platform that we built off um, with the lads coming through you know even a couple of lads who retired this year you know we built a platform off what they had, had set a couple of years before us and um, it was it was just a it was a niggling away I think at a lot of people inside in that group we, we did have a point to prove that you know we weren't a spent force and you know we had a couple of reasonably good years but we, we were determined that that wasn't going to just you know peter out again like just before I let you go Michael I mean I spoke to George Hannigan out on the pitch and he said look the young lads have had a lot of success and we congratulate them we're delighted for them but we're the older lads we haven't had a whole pile of success we want to get our hands on silverware we want some big wins there seems to be a nice mixture in that squad of older guys who are really still hungry and younger guys who have a lot of confidence I mean you for example won a a minor All-Ireland in 2011 yeah um, I suppose that hunger has been driven driving that group because the older lads do drive that group a lot and I think George is, is, is spot on there. Um, though I think, you know, the winning mentality that was brought in by the younger guys definitely helped. You know, the lads came through and won, it, won an under-21 in 2010. That was probably the catalyst for us to go on the year after. And, you know, and then the under-21s last year as well. So there seems to be a bit of a conveyor belt there, this, hopefully. Um, and hopefully we can drive it on over the next few years, you know. Um, I know there's been a bit of a debate on the dual issue. Um, but, like we keep soldiering and hopefully the lads will, will see that the football is a, a viable alternative I think
Well, it's the duel with Kerry you can look forward to. Well done. Yes, thanks very much. This is the Rewind on News Talk, and that was tip full forward Michael Quinlevin on their win against Cork. Tony Gall enjoyed a win over Fermanagh in Ballybuffet. 2 12 to 11 points. The final score, Neil McGee red carded. He'll probably miss the Ulster semi final with Monaghan. After the game, Donegal manager Rory Gallagher gave his reaction to the overall performance to Highland Radio's Oisín Kelly. Yeah, listen, any day in the Ulster Championship, Oisín, you know, over the last number of years has always been tough. Great to come out on the right side of it, you know. Um, I thought overall we were much the better team. There was a wee period before half time, and definitely Fermanagh had a, had a wee spell, but, you know, we rode it out and obviously went the man down, and there's a lot of questions asked of us, but not the second half, once we got the goal, we were very, very comfortable. In Connacht, Ross Common will play either Galway or Mayo in the final after their 4 16 to 2 13 win over Sligo in Dr. Hyde Park. A storming second half display from the Rossies doing the trick. That game was live and off the ball. In Lens- Westmead set up a semi-final with Kildare in Crow Park beating Offaly 13 points to 12 in Mullingar here is Maroons manager Tom Cribben but first Offaly's Pat Flanagan both spoke to Midlands 103 very very difficult to take you know, we've worked exceptionally hard and uh, you know to uh, probably work against uh, some of the decisions that was going against us there all day um, and still get to win in a point I thought we'd done very very well but having said that we had opportunities and, and uh, we just didn't take them near the end went into six points but uh, I wasn't overly concerned about that because uh, we had a severe wind in the second half but uh, we probably didn't we, 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 ne- we never got the draw of the game and if we did I think we would have pushed on I thought we should have got a free or two there towards the end I thought John Heslam was pulled down was a definite free and um, but your look it's tough on a referee in that tight situation when the game is so tight to make a call like that and um, I think we just about deserved their window overall the lads worked incredibly hard they're dead on their feet every one of them have seriously bad blisters there they worked that hard um, look it's hard to put it all into words now because it's after been a tough few months um, waiting so long for a game and awfully had a game under their belt and um, you know but uh, sure look it's brilliant we got through and uh, the lads deserve it they really do deserve it Me face Dublin in the other semi-final following their win over Loud at Parnell Park 20 points to 113 the final score here is Royals captain Donald Kilgan but first manager Mick O'Dowd on facing the All-Ireland champions in their next game they're the benchmark for everyone to play against it's a super team best team that's probably ever come out of Dublin you know so um, that's what we're getting ready for and uh, uh, you know it's, it is a young group and as you say we're planning for three three years but only some of the lads have been there for three years some lads playing today they're only there the last, since last October you know so that's kind of where we're at in our development but they're, they're good lads they're working very hard you know hey, what do you make of that Donald Kogan me captain yeah so we got a win anyway, we came here to get the win and that was the main thing and we've achieved that now it's on to the next round so I suppose now we'll when the dust settles, we'll go back in and we'll analyse the performance. I suppose the patches were very good, patches that need improvement. Uh, I think we probably took the foot off the gas in the second half a little bit. Um, but I suppose it's kind of natural, I suppose, if you're winning by a couple of points, um, it's hard to keep the momentum going for the full 70 minutes. So, yeah, we look at that and I don't think in the next round, I don't think you'll be able to afford that. If you do that, the game could slip away from you fairly quick. This is the Rewind podcast on News Talk, and that was Meath captain Donald Kilgan and before him, Meath boss Mick O'Dowd. They both spoke to off the balls Tommy Rooney. Hurling now and next weekend, tip face Limerick in the Munster semi final, while in Leinster, Galway take on Offaly in Port Leash. Former All-Ireland winner with Wexford, Ursula Jacob, and ex-All-Ireland winner with Kilkenny, Michael Walsh, join us on the Rewind podcast on News Talk. Uh, Ursula, we'll start with you. Kilkenny did what they always do on Saturday night against Dublin. Um, You know, played relatively well in the first half, but then came out and absolutely crushed their opponents at the start of the second. The Dubs, quite simply, had no answer. Yeah, definitely. I, I think, you know, obviously the turning point in the game was the first maybe 10, 15 minutes in the second half. Uh, I, I think uh, Kilkenny just completely took over and I think it was, they scored 1-9 uh, to Dublin's n- n- nothing in the first 15 minutes of the second half. And, you know, that really, you know, once Kilkenny got to grips on the game in the second half, you know, Dublin didn't really have any answer. And, you know, uh you were getting some of the half-backs for Kilkenny, like Killian Buckley and Padraig Walsh, stepping up, scoring points as well. You know, so, uh, you know, Dublin really didn't have any answer for them. And I suppose Kilkenny took full control in the second half and kind of did what they, they do best. You know, took their scores when, when they got the chance. And I suppose John Joe Farrell's goal really sealed the deal in the second half uh, once he scored that. Michael, I think Ursula has summed it up very well there by saying Kilkenny kind of did what they always do and they used their strength and skill, especially in that second half. 
Yeah, well, I, I actually tend to think that the, the basis, and I heard Brian Cody saying it as well, and I felt it at the match, that the basis for all that was laid in the first half. I think Dublin tried to take on McKenney physically, and it just doesn't work. Uh, many teams have tried it before, and it hasn't worked. And although it was only a point and a half time, I felt McKenney, even at that stage, uh, were, were quite comfortable. And uh, then they, they, they do, as, as, as yourself and ourselves just said, what they do to, to many teams, they, they go for the juggler straight after the break. And they've, they've done that right throughout the years. But on Saturday, probably even to a higher level, and the score won eight, 15 minutes was phenomenal. But I definitely think that the seeds for that were laid in that first half where, you know, Dublin fairness don't give everything they had physically and mentally, but they just, you know, the council can physically is, is a very tall order at the minute. And, and then the you know the kind of skill and 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 things took over again in the second half, but uh, uh, the first half was vital in that. I think. Did we see Michael the importance of Michael Fenley and Owen Larkin yet again on Saturday? Look, none of us were looking too much into the league defeat to Clare. Any smart person at all who has even casually followed hurling in the last couple of years would have known not to look too much into that. But their skill and their strength was a platform for Kilkenny in this game. There's two things I'd say to you there, Ocean. Uh, I know you said no, no, but I think an awful lot of people did look into the into the league semi-final because I, there was I said fierce... smart people didn't, Michael. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was going to say you and maybe one or two others didn't, but <laughs> but um, it, I couldn't believe the the kind of build-up to the match on Sunday and how what, or Saturday night and why Kilkenny again were being written off in certain quarters. Uh, in the league semi-final, they were very, very well beaten. But if you look at the, at the personnel and the shape and everything about their team on Saturday, it was back to you know as full of strength as it could be since last year's All Ireland. Barry Richie Hogan and Shane Pendergast uh, and Gerald who were out for injury, but the other twelve were playing. And you know, as you say, central to everything you can do are probably Michael Finley and Owen Larkin in, in in absolute work rate alone, and they cover so much ground for the team. And when they're available, they're obviously much stronger. But uh, I was amazed at the lead up to the game on Saturday where people were kind of making the penny off and felt that maybe this was the time they were going to be uh, beaten but um, uh, I, I can tell you that, that that was incredible because you know they've been, they've been you know when they have everyone on the field how, how strong they are and that was proved in no uncertain terms again on Saturday evening Ursula it was always going to be tough for Dublin especially with such a young side are you surprised that Jerk Cunningham picked such a I'm going to use the word light, but it's probably the wrong word. A light and maybe young side when he had a few more experienced guys around that, um, you know, he didn't seem too sad to lose. Yeah, I suppose, like, I suppose Jar Cunningham, uh, you know, he probably went for the more youthful side in that, uh, you know, for Saturday's evening's game. And I suppose, look, uh, you know, he had picked the same start in 15 bar Mark Schutte, uh that, that played against Wexford. And I suppose, you know, he, he, he stuck by the team that, you know, uh, comprehensively beat Wexford and, and did quite well in, in, in Crow Park. You know, they're used to the ball and, they, they you know, the uh, the quick, lively forwards, you know, were, were kind of doing damage against Wexford. And I suppose maybe, you know, there was the loyalty there to go to go with the same team again. But I suppose when things were tightened up in the Kilkenny defence and the bit more pressure was put on those players, you know, they maybe didn't have the space or the opportunity to, to you know, to, to have the, the open free space as they did against Wexford. And I suppose there was a loyalty there, uh, you know, from, from Jar Cunningham. But, uh, you know, maybe... They lacked a little bit, you know, experience around the field. And, you know, they were very reliant on David Tracy for his threes in the forwards. And then, you know, once Liam Rush was put under a little bit more pressure in the backs, you know, you could see things maybe falling apart around them. Uh, you know, because Liam Rush started so well in, in the first half. And, you know, he was really, you know, dominating, you know, from the centre-back position. But then when there was a bit more pressure put on him, you know, there was kind of not the real leaders or experienced players around him, you know, to, to help him out when, when things got tough. And they're missing Peter Kelly as well, which is a, an incalculable loss. Michael, do you think Dublin took the right approach? I mean, when you have a, a maybe smaller and lighter team, do you have to play it small and light and move the ball quick? Or do you have to match Kilkenny physically no matter what approach you take in a game? And that's just something you have to do and Jerk Cunningham had no choice but to, to deploy the kind of team that he deployed and the way he deployed them. Yeah, um, obviously Jar has, you know, he went in last year and he's decided, he made a decision that last year was a weeding out year, if you like, he was going to suss out everything and then he was going to put his own stamp, which he's absolutely entitled to do. And as you look at the personnel changes from even last year to this year, uh, they're massive. But even the two years before that, they really are massive. And I think 
you know, he, he, he also believes in the state of play. And uh, I do agree that, that, that you have to do certain things at different times and different when you have different uh, personnel and different players. Um, he decided to go that way on Saturday because Kenny obviously studied her game uh, against Wexford and they saw, they saw that everyone knew that, that Polk House was absolutely central to Dublin's game plan and Kenny just, just blew that away really. They just pushed up on the on the players and the, the, the Dublin goalkeeper was very inexperienced his first year playing and in fairness to him he must have been just completely his head must have been wrecked because he just had nowhere to hit it and then a few went wrong and the, the turnovers came and the points came so look Gerard believes in his system and I don't think because of one game he's going to change that he's maybe looking at the longer term and maybe the fruits of his work will be seen later on but he's, he has introduced an awful lot of young players and good young players but they came up they came up against really top class opposition last Saturday and they struggled with it so um, but I still believe he, that's the way he believes that, that he's going to get the best out of his Dublin players and he won't change change from that OK next week we'll go and take on Offaly for the right to meet Kilkenny in the Leinster final the Offaly manager Eamon Kelly has been speaking to Midlands 103 ahead of this game and he thinks that uh, Galway physically are on top but he hopes his players can move the ball around quickly like they, like they did in the last couple of games uh, in the Leinster Championship particularly the one against Leash well, the one thing will you'll see Galway's physique they're a very strong big physical side and they have maybe five or six years of tops work done in strength and conditions they are physically very strong so we just have to we have to move the ball quick there's no point going into tackles and getting turned over we, we focus on that against Leash about trying to move the ball quick we'll have to do that up a notch again because uh I said they're well able to hurl they're a good physical side and we're under no illusion what's ahead of us. I was probably surprised with the fashion that they won because I thought Westmead were a very good side. Maybe they had an off day. The three games definitely stood to us last week and hopefully with the four championship games played and will stand to us. But uh, Galway are obviously very, very sharp to put up a massive score last week. So um, they're probably, whatever they were doing, they had to have themselves right anyway. So that's Eamon Kelly, the Offaly manager. Michael, you're part of the Westmead management team. He actually beat Offaly in the round robin section in the opening game they've improved massively since do you give them a chance against Galway? Yeah well obviously played both teams uh, played Offaly in the first round in the round robin and we had a, a really really great win and Offaly in fairness some, you know and despite all the criticism they've taken I was delighted to see the way they responded and they've come back very very strong and uh, you know physicality I suppose is a big word uh, in hurling nowadays in any sport I suppose and you know Galway two weeks ago uh, against, uh, against ourselves were massive physically strong team and with loads of skill as well it has to be said and played very very well on the day you always have a chance in the game there's, there's never there's never any doubt about that you always have a chance and I'm sure Offaly will be going out there with no real pressure on them and giving it a goal but on all I've seen so far I would expect Galway to win that match Ursula Jacob Shane Dooley is the marquee man for Offaly but we're hearing he's got a bit of an injury they'll hope that he's right going into this game because they desperately need him don't they? Yeah, well, look, at I suppose he's been the, the main man for Offaly in, in recent years. And, you know, he's the, the main scorer for Offaly. And, you know, Offaly are a team that can't afford to not have any of their players, you know, not available. So, you know, they'll be hoping that Shane Dooley will be fully fit for the game. But the thing is, you know, I suppose the pressure probably is more on Galway, more so than Offaly, you know, because uh, Galway will be going in as relative, relatively strong favourites for the game. And, you know, Offaly, you know, they've had you know, quite a lot of uh, criticism this year, you know, losing a couple of games and maybe not doing so well in the league. And, you know, they kind of just, you know, will have to go to approach the game that, look, you know, anything can happen in, in a in a Leinster semi-final. And, you know, they've played Galway on numerous occasions in recent years and, you know, they'll, they'll give themselves every chance. But obviously, you know, it's a massive thing for them if, if Shane Dooley's available or not because, as I said, he's been the main, the main scorer and the scoring threat for, for Offaly in recent years. Just before I let you both go, I want to get your view on Tipperary against Limerick next Sunday. Michael Walsh with uh, Limerick. We just never know, do we? Especially now, because they haven't played a championship game yet. Yeah, they haven't. And uh, they ended up, uh, you know, you, you've summed it up perfectly, but then you just never know. To go to Dublin, uh, to Parnell Park, and Dublin, as we know, have hardly lost a match there over the last number of years, and they win, and they win very well. And then they play Watford in the semi-final and they just look, you know, they looked awful at times, you know, but they have so many good hurlers, like the, they have, you know, hurlers down there that have won Fitz Gibbon medals in the last couple of years, they've, they've dominated the college scene, they've had minor teams, they've only under 21 last year and you'd have to think that somehow that, that has to come, that has to come through. Uh, Tip, the last day, had a, a really good win against Cork, although I have to say again, Cork were, were very poor on the day. So this game is the kind of one where people really don't know where to stand and they will after this game though because this is, you know, it's, it's a monster final place up for grabs and 
you'd have to think that, that, that on all forms so far that, that Tip has the edge in this one as well. In their last competitive game, Ursula, Limerick played a sweeper system or a defensive system. It didn't really work, especially in the second half against Waterford, who had the experts at lying deep and counter-attacking. Um, do you abandon that? Do you stick with it? How do you... What way do you approach this game against Tip if you're Limerick? Well, I suppose, look, like Limerick are going to, you know, every game is different. And, you know, what they did against Watford maybe is going to be slightly different to what they're going to do against Tip. But I suppose having probably watched the Tip and Cork game, you know, they're going to be mindful that maybe the sweeper system doesn't always work. And, you know, they'll they'll learn from maybe some of the mistakes that maybe Cork made and, uh, and maybe adapt it to their own game and see what way, you know, what approach they can bring to it. But, you know, definitely they're going to have to be mindful of the kind of movement in the tip forwards and that. But also they have to, you know, they have to be able to score and execute scores from their own point of view as well. And they do have, you know, massive players up in their own forward line. And, you know, especially with the Napiercy contingent back as well. And, you know, they'll be confident going into the game. But, you know, it, I suppose it's, fair, you know, it's fairly unknown to everyone what way Limerick are going to, you know, show up and uh, uh, for this Sunday's game because, you know, we haven't really seen anything of them, you know, since the league game and, you know, Tip will have had the, that, that one game against Cork already and they might be a little bit more settled, but I expect it'll probably be a, a fairly tight, close game on Sunday as well. And Michael, just before I let you go, you're obviously part of the Westmead set up the under-21s up against Dublin this Wednesday in the Board Gosh Energy under-21 Leinster semi-final. Mm-hmm. Having beaten Kilkenny, are you kind of looking at this as a free shot and you're going up with absolutely zero pressure on and that's kind of a nice place to be. Or is it a case that, you know, you've beaten Kilkenny, now you want to go and beat Dublin and if you don't, it's a disappointment. Yeah, I think it's a bit of both maybe. Uh, Oshin, uh, to be honest, you know, we didn't, just being realistic about things, we didn't really expect to be in this position. Um, we were we were hopeful that we would put up a massive performance against Kilkenny and see where that took the team. But obviously it's it was one of the great nights for Westmead Hurling and they, they won the game. So I think it's a similar situation. They're prepared and they're ready to go. And look, at, uh, everyone knows that, that Dublin are massively strong favourites. But uh, hopefully that uh, the Westmead team can go and give the same performance they gave against the Kenny and just see what that takes them. Dublin are forewarned now, I suppose, and they won't be as. They will, they will be definitely under guard and waiting, waiting for this. So, you know, it's going to be a tough ask. And, and, uh, but again, it's about going up there and absolutely giving it everything they have and see where it takes. Ursula, cliche alert, but this is really good for hurling this Westmead run in the Under-21 Championship, isn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. You know, it's massive for Westmead and for, you know, other teams looking on that, you know, it, if you get the, you know, the right determination and the right kind of attitudes and approach going into a game, you know, anything can happen. And it was a great win, you know, for them to beat Kilkenny. And, you know, I think they'll have great confidence going into the game against Dublin. And, like, look, Dublin were very impressive against Wexford in the under-21 game. But, look, Westmead won't have any fear either because, you know, they're after beating a team like Kilkenny. And, you know, it'll, it, it gives everyone a bit of hope when you, when you see a team, uh, you know, uh, going out and, and, and beating Kilkenny in the way in the fashion that uh, Westmead did. OK, Ursula Jacob, formerly of Wexford, and Michael Walsh, formerly of Kilkenny. Thanks for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk. No bother. Thanks, Oshin. This is the Rewind podcast on News Talk. Rugby to come with David Corkery, but we'll stick with hurling for the moment. And the upcoming match between Tipperary and Limerick next Sunday in Thurles. We'll have updates across the afternoon, by the way, on Off the Ball. Shane Brophy is the sports editor of the Nina Guardian. And with so many questions hanging over Tip ahead of their game with Cork in the quarterfinal, I caught up with him at the Tip Cork game in the football at the weekend and uh, asked him if any of those questions were answered by Tipperary's 22 points to 13 win over the Rebels in the hurling in the quarterfinal a couple of weeks back. I'm not sure we got too many. I suppose all the focus after the game, 90% of it was on Cork like and, and their deficiencies. But I suppose from Tipperary's point of view, they did have, they did come into the game under a bit of a cloud after the National League had some very iffy performances, lost an awful lot of games in the closing stages. And um, I suppose from Michael Ryan's point of view, I suppose it's rare in a championship game that Tipperary well, in the last four or five years ago to Tipperary and it, it wasn't a game against I suppose a, a, a team they would class as, so, as their equal that they were so comfortable and yeah. so far ahead with, with 15-20 minutes to go they had the game won so I suppose that was a positive like so that they were they were professional enough in their approach that whatever, however poor Cork were on the day they went out and got the job done 
I'd say without even maybe getting into third gear for maybe 20 minutes in the first half that was about it Michael Ryan the Tipperary manager I don't think he was particularly happy when they said it to him afterwards he saw out a close game and that's a good sign and he responded by saying oh is that unusual these days now but that's been a charged level against Tip that they haven't been able to see out close games did you see anything in the game against Cork that suggested that that maybe is changing I suppose you can you can't really I suppose the fact that maybe when Cork cut the gap from 10 to 6 or 20 minutes to go that they were able to just uh, regathered themselves and got a couple of scores just to kill off the Cork challenge I suppose that was impressive but personally my, the thing I took from the game was that this was the, the first 10 or 15 minutes when Cork more let, Cork did come out to intimidate a small bit maybe try and get suck come the Tipperary players off the guard I took Seamus Callan and John O'Dwyer come in for particular focus but after once again once the game settled down Tipperary were 7 points to 1 up at that stage so that, it, that Tipperary didn't buy into what Cork were trying to drag them into they still went out did the job all the talk was about Cork sweeper beforehand but just James Cannon ended up with four of his eight points on play so I think composure wise I think Michael Ryan would have been thrilled that they found that whatever Cork um, tried to do yeah. that they, they found they found the keys to unlock any scenario now we saw with Tipperary they played a relatively traditional style against Cork they'll come up against a Limerick team who will probably attempt to do what Waterford have done over the last couple of years we saw them try to do that against Waterford in the league semi-final it worked in the first half it didn't in the second are Tip right to persist with the style they have because in the last couple of years they've come mightily close they've just about fallen short but if you have the talent why not yeah, I think I don't think they'll they'll veer too far away. Like there's definitely a slight there's greater emphasis and a bit more physicality. There's no doubt yeah. there. When you look at that, the two wing backs we had the last day, Seamus Kennedy and Paulie Maher, big men like James Barry's no slouch at full back either. And then you have um, that that half forward line with Dan McCormick and um, and Sean Curran. Like they were more or less two very surprise additions or selections that the, the week of the game. Like and they're I suppose they're very fit. They're they're guys with a lot of our work rate. And I suppose looking to create that maybe 20 man game as well where you have the likes of Jason Ford and Bonner Maher coming off the bench as well so like there's definitely you can definitely see thing, Michael Ryan starting to do things his way like the media work from our point of view it's hard to get access to them but like, this is the way he's, he's going down the road there's no press conferences before games it's definitely there's definitely a change in terms of that that he's trying to bond a real tight unit yeah. there together and in the hope that maybe if that bond is as strong as it can be that in the last five minutes of a tight All-Ireland semi-final Munster final All-Ireland final that it'll be Tipperary getting the, those late scores rather than conceding them yeah. I do wonder if only journalists care about that I wonder if the general public really care that they won't hear from the tip camp before the Limerick game it's hard to assess I don't, I don't think they do I don't think I think a lot, of actually, a lot of supporters actually get worried if they hear too much from the players that they think they've lost their focus but um, but from a working journalist point of view like if it's hard to write anything with no with no, yeah. with, no um, with no story but your look I suppose once, once Tipperary hopefully get the job done against Limerick and gone on to a Munster final we'll have plenty to write about like, so. this is the thing isn't it it's great if Tipperary win everything Michael Ryan does is working yeah. but we know that if they lose everything he does is not working Michael Ryan's an idiot what's he doing these players aren't up to it etc and Tip and I'm looking from the outside as someone who has worked for mm-hmm. Tip media outlets in the past Tip fans tend to get a bit carried away if there's a loss they tend to overreact more so than any other bunch of supporters oh absolutely like it, it, it doesn't matter what a team has done in, in the last 12 months they could have won 10 games in the bounce in the first loss and there's it's uh, the sky's about to fall in so <laughs> that's just the way things are down here unfortunately but um but like in fairness, it has been the reactions to the Cork game has been fairly good. Like no, nobody got nobody got sucked in by the hype of beating Cork by nine points. Like I think everybody accepted that that um, while Cork were off in the day, at, I think there were a lot of people were happy that Tipperary got the job done. They, um, without minimum fuss, did what they had to do. Didn't have to exert themselves either, which is probably no harm to like either. Was like the year is long, and the last thing you want to do is maybe have a, a savage game in the middle of May and. Like it, mentally it takes an awful lot out of you I'm sure they prepared right for that game and that they didn't have to exert themselves they'll be they'll be as fresh as they can be coming into the Limerick game I suppose that stat has been there that uh, I think it was, it's 50 years since the team won in All-Ireland haven't played the first round game in Munster like, so that's, like, that's, that's a huge thing to overcome and I say haven't haven't um, not exert themselves too much yeah. and looking into a four week build up to Limerick I'm sure that will have benefited them as well it seems like 
two, three months have passed since we were all at the launch in Cashel for the Munster Championship. I'm actually not sure how long has actually passed, but I met TJ Ryan that day. This was before any game had been played in Munster. And I said, TJ, there's literally no point in us talking because your opponents aren't known to you yet. Now, it has obviously turned out to be Tipperary, but at that stage, he wasn't sure exactly how they were fixed. No one could be. So is, is that an element in this game? How, how Limerick are or what Limerick might do? You know, how big a factor is that in this game yeah this was as difficult as Limerick are difficult to read but like I suppose um, Tipperary were in the same boat last year where Limerick had the first round game and everybody said geez, that, that game is going to stand to Limerick and of course Tipperary arrive into the Gaelic rounds and blow Limerick away so it, it, the shoe is on the other foot this time so you'd like to think Tipperary will have the benefit but like I suppose I think from over the years Limerick like nothing more than being in the long grass there's rumours that things aren't going well in there but I think when you hear things like that yeah. you, you more or less have to think things are going well in there like they'll, they'll arrive into Turles next Sunday full of confidence that they've won two of the last three meetings they'll bring the Limerick traditional Limerick style they'll be far more intense than Cork where they'll get in Tipperary's face I'm not convinced they might go overly defensive like they didn't look comfortable doing it against Waterford in that league semi-final but that's not they're probably further down the road in terms of trying that style than, than Cork were so they'll probably be slightly more comfortable too and like they'll, they'll be they'll be keen to keen to atone for last year like look having won the last two, two of the last three matches against Tip they know the antidote of how to beat Tipperary it gets tight in your face and um, I'd be surprised if it's any different on, uh, on Sunday I tip offended by the talk about Waterford since the Clare game because before that we were all talking about how Waterford and Clare are the new generation this is going to be the rivalry to define this new generation now everyone's talking about Waterford if I was a tip hurler I'd be thinking hey <laughs> the hell are you talking about we've got a lot more recent success than these counties personally I, I if I was a tip player I would be offended because like there's everybody's talking Kenny and Cork Clare and Waterford like and yet if you looked at the betting for the All-Ireland Tipperary is still second yeah. favourites but nobody's talking about them because I don't think okay rightfully wrongly people don't trust them at the moment because like for all the talent for all the brilliant games they've played over the last six years since the last one the All-Ireland they've part one Munster Championship a couple of Munster Championships to show for it and like while the Munster title is great I think in Tipperary if the Lee McCarthy isn't here on the first Monday after uh, in September it's, it's deemed as a failure like so um, I would like to think that there was an element in the Cork game that Tipperary wanted to go out and, and lay down some bit of a statement I, you could say they did it to a certain extent but I think if, if, they were to go, if they were to go out and, against Limerick and win convincingly, they'd definitely be putting themselves up there against with Clare, Waterford, and Kilkenny and, and Galway as, as serious All-Ireland contenders. I just think they need to answer that question of coming through a dogfight. They did it to a certain extent here last year against Waterford when Waterford tried to suffocate the life out of them. Tipperary managed to, to find a way to win that game. But I say, if them, that match has been played... If, if we do get a repeat of that at Munster finally you can be sure that like Watford have come on an awful lot since then and if Tipperary were able to pass that test I think he did, the confidence would flow a bit through the team like was definitely there, there is a focus on toughening the mind of small bit this year amongst that group of players like, and as I said the, the, the talent is there it's just that mental focus where in the last couple of minutes that Tipperary have the belief to go and get the couple of scores rather than being caught out defensively and conceding those couple of scores Shane Brophy of the Neen and Guardian. Thanks for talking to us on the Rewind podcast on Newstalk here in Turles. Cheers. It's rugby now and on Saturday, Ireland beat South Africa with only 14 men while the under-20s overcame New Zealand at the World Championships in Manchester. Uh, following the Ireland win over the Springboks, Joe Schmidt spoke to Sky Sports. I think it was around the heart. Um, it was just determination, really. Um, I felt we stayed pretty organised. We controlled the first 20 minutes of the game um, and that, that allowed our confidence to grow a little bit. I thought the, the nine minutes before half-time were, were incredibly special. 13 men, um, you know, the way the players dug in. I, you know, I felt even um, the yellow card was, was probably a, a very harsh decision and, and uh, you know, Luke Marshall got blocked trying to get across and, and make that tackle. So you know, we were pretty disappointed with some aspects, but... Uh, the way the players rebounded from that and dug in and, and worked hard for each other. And, you know, I've I, I probably never been prouder of uh, the group of players we've got. Joe Schmidt speaking to Sky Sports. Former Ireland and Munster back row David Corkery. Um, look, we'll get into how the games were won in a second. But first, regards Saturday, have you ever seen or experienced a day like it for Irish rugby? Hi, uh, actually, no, no. To be quite honest, like you could have got up on um, Saturday morning and watched rugby from 8am to 8pm. 
that day. There was such a an embarrassment of rugby on on TV for us. But look, in fairness, you know, you speak about the Irish under twenties as well, and for me. I suppose that victory nearly takes precedent over the uh, the Irish senior team. Um, for them to do that against a, a New Zealand under-20 side who are hotly tipped to win their World Cup um, and they just blew them apart, to be quite honest. You know, like the score doesn't really reflect the dominance that Ireland had, especially in the scrum. Um, and that, to me, really was the standout performance of the day. And, the, you know, the one... One performance really that kind of paints a picture for Irish rugby going forward. And look, you know, Irish rugby over the last couple of months has been on a bit of a downer. Like none of our provinces qualified for the uh, knockout stages of the Champions Cup. Um, Connacht did extremely well, but that was a once-off. And you know, the easy part is done for Connacht now. Next year, now they have to back it up. So look, for Irish rugby to turn uh, turn a page in such a short period of time um, is, is fantastic, and it shows that the you know, like whilst there is structural issues there within the area that needs to be changed, and they're certainly heading in the right direction. And, you know, those two victories on Saturday were just fantastic for morale more than anything else. Good or bad, as fans, we tend to overreact to results. So I'm going to overreact in a good way. <laughs> um, did we see the work being done with skills in both the under-20s and the senior side in their victories? Uh, because both came from cam defence and using the ball well that's something maybe we mightn't have seen from Irish teams a couple of years ago or David am I reading far too much into it and I'm just kind of looking for far more positives than there actually are Yeah look Arshin, I think I think you said it there I mean I think everybody knows that the, the skill level of the Irish player isn't where it probably should be in terms of when you compare it to the likes of New Zealand and uh, and the Australian players and even though I'd be honest some of the English players now are, are producing some fantastic off offloading uh, skills, so like we're certainly a bit behind on that, but that's that that goes back to the word structure um, and goes back to the underage levels. I mean, you can't teach uh, a player who's 25, 26 new skills. Um, you know, it has to start really at the underage structure and and be brought through then. Um, but look, there was moments of magic in that game. I mean, there was a couple of passes from um, Gerard Payne, um, who played full back and had a fantastic game. Like they were, they were Sonny Bill Williams like, to be quite honest, out the back door and you know. The opposition really weren't expecting that. So there is hints of it coming through, but there is certainly a huge amount of work to be done uh, in that respect. And you spoke about the word defence. I think that's what both those games really derived, uh, both victories derived from. It was Ireland's dogged defence. Um, and I know Andy Farrell has been brought into the Irish setup. Uh, I think a bit of his um, skill level, a bit of his attitude is coming through into the Irish team. There, there doesn't seem to be a panic. And the big thing, that we have now that we didn't have many years ago was that we have the physical capabilities to stop these big ball carriers. Um, and again, I won't say South Africa played bad. I thought they played a very negative type of game, which kind of played into Ireland's uh, Ireland's hands, especially when they went down to 13 and 14 men. So it was quite easy to stop them because we were physically prepared um, and able to do so. Jared Payne at fullback, Luke Marshall paired with Robbie Henshaw in the centre. Is that the future or do you think Joe Schmidt will go and tinker again because whether it was when we had 15 men or 14 men on that just looked like it worked it just looked like it was clicking it looked like it worked because that's the way the South Africans played against us and um, you know you would have liked to see Ireland maybe move the ball a bit more you know I even though Ireland won I would still disagree with Joe's uh, initial selection of the squad that he brought out there I thought a lot of guys could have been left at home given a bit more rest and some of the younger players could have been brought through but that's typical Joe Smith um, he's very loyal to his players, um, and he's very, very—he's not very open to change. Um, I think he plays a very negative type of game plan, um, which is built around defence, um, and he ekes out victories. Um, so, look, I think there's a, there's a bit of work to be done there. But um, you speak about the centre partnership. I thought um, Henderson was certainly uh, magnificent in what he did. He carried ball. You know, a lot of people were saying that when O'Driscoll retired, that look, there's going to be a massive hole there and it's not going to be filled for many years. Um, but Henshaw has filled that gap straight away um, and he's moved to Leinster next year. Look, I think it's disappointing that he's leaving Connacht, especially after what happened up there this year. Um, but he's going to a, a, a club now in a province with an immense history and they will get their act together as well and I think he'll flourish in that environment. Now, the big talking point of the game was the red card. Well, the big talking point is the win, despite yeah. the red card. But let's concentrate on that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, as a coach, what do you say to CJ Stander when he comes into the dressing room at half time? Do you say, hard luck, kid? Or do you think, or do you say, what were you doing? That was reckless. 
you've got yourself in needless trouble, you've got your team in needless trouble. With your coaching head, how do you assess that situation, David? I mean, like it's quite easy to look at it now um, and even after the game um, and address the situation and it was a completely wrong call by the referee. Um, CJ Standard jumped for the ball uh, he made contact with the South African player. That is not reckless. He went to jump to block the ball. He made no intent whatsoever to harm the South African player. Um, like he's not a malice type of player. He's, it's not in his blood. You know, he's so committed to the cause. He jumped for the ball in the air. So the day that a player jumps for the ball and gets sent off, um, you know, is uh, in, in my opinion, it's the referee should be sanctioned, not the player, because people's livelihoods are at stake here. Uh, and whenever but the way he kind of angled his body was that not not at all I mean that's that's the way you coach players Oshin. that's okay. like you, you protect yourself more than anybody else when you're in the air he angled perfectly I mean he, he wasn't even looking at the player he was looking at the ball 100% he had no intent whatsoever uh, to make it and to make matters worse is that the referee went and used the TMO and still made the wrong decision and I'd say in my opinion the referee should be sanctioned not the player Okay, what about Nigel Carroll and the job he's done with the under 20s and the Connacht Academy it's no coincidence that these guys are playing the kind of rugby they are and he well his fingerprints are are all over it now from what you know and from what you've seen is there a move to ensure that those skills are spread around the country that we're going to get the best out of that or is it a case that now we've kind of seen what Connacht have done we've seen what the under 20s have done now they have to absolutely make sure that those skills are spread and used and that Nigel Carlin is kept in Irish rugby and that Nigel Carlin's fingerprints are all over Irish rugby, not just the team he's in charge of and the Connacht Academy and the players yeah, well, coming through it. Yeah, I, I don't think we can judge Nigel Carlin really on, on the, the under-20s past two performances. If you look at the, their Six Nations campaign, they had a poor Six Nations campaign. Yeah. You know, and a lot of people say, no, Nigel Carlin has to go. But now just because they've won two games... <clears throat> And the pool stages of their under twenty World Cup, yeah. you know, doesn't make Nigel Carlin a, a god overnight. And um, it'll be interesting to see how Ireland go on and how they finish up in this World Cup. You know, personally, I don't think they win it. Um, I think I think Wales, even though Ireland have beaten them, will, will be there thereabouts. I think England are very very strong, um, and certainly now New Zealand have got a kick in the arse that they didn't expect against an Irish team who were not fancied going into that game. Um, so look, there's there's a long way to go on that, and as I say, look, you know, one swallow doesn't make a summer. So there is a bit of work to be done, but certainly Nigel Carlin seems to have learned from his mistakes in the Six Nations. There's a different squad there, there's a different few players. Um, I suppose the the attitude and the disappointment of the of of their Six Nations campaign has is kind of shining through now, and their their determination, especially in defence, again, um, is is paying dividends. And look. The weather conditions in that New Zealand game weren't great. They certainly suited the Irish team, um, especially when New Zealand had the ball. The amount of unforced errors New Zealand had were it was incredible for a New Zealand team. Uh, normally, New Zealand would go into this competition and they would win it at a canter. Um, but that's not the way it's been. Now, Wales are coming through. England are there. Australia are quite poor in it. But even if the or sorry, um, Ireland's next opponents, Georgia, um, they're playing. They played Wales last week and they struggled against them. So. That's Ireland's next opponent now. So we'll see how, what comes out of that. But they're certainly going to make the playoff stages now. Um, and it'll be very, very interesting to see what happens. Regards the under-20s during the Six Nations, could you see what Carolyn was trying to develop? I mean, I'll compare it again to Connacht. And I know people yeah. are probably sick of everything being compared to Connacht. But, you know, Pat Lamb had a rather bumpy start there. It yeah. seems yeah. similar with Nigel Carolyn and the under-20s during the Six Nations. Yeah, I mean, like, I suppose if we go back to, to Connacht first and look at, you, you look at the players that Lamb has as he's a bit like Bundy there is a player that I think Munster approached. Um, I mean, everybody is looking for his signature now. I mean, they have some fantastic players. Um, you know, and like a lot of credit goes to Pat Lamb, but I think a lot of credit must go to the actual players as well on that side and the attitude that they've brought to the party. Um, certainly Lamb is a guy who wants to play rugby, wants to play a very expansive game, which is kind of not similar so even how Joe Smith or the, or the Irish um, mental approach to the game is they want to be tight, they want to ball carriers, you know, refuse to go wide, play a 9-10 kicking game a lot. Um, so in terms of what Nigel Carolyn is bringing through, yes, he's bringing certain fundamentals of, of, of Pat Lamb's coaching into it, but there is definitely room for expansion in this. And you know, one player who's actually out now is Bill Johnson. He dislocated his shoulder in that game. Uh, a huge player and like certainly a player for the future for Munster and indeed for Ireland so he's going to be a loss and look 
it's how they react you now like the Georgia game um, hopefully they'll get a bonus point win there that will see them through as top seeds uh, in their pool um, and, they, and, and they'll kick on from there but look these competitions are, are all on the day and anything can happen David Corkery formerly of Munster in Ireland thank you very much for joining us on the Rewind podcast here on News Talk My pleasure well, that's it for the Rewind this week. We're back next Monday with reaction to the GAA weekend. Don't forget we've got Tyrone and Cavan live on Off The Ball next Sunday. Obviously Off The Ball all over the Euros. We didn't talk about the Euros in this podcast because by the time you get to us, the game is probably done. But you can get a lot more Euro content on newstalk.com forward slash Euro 2016. And don't forget every night this week between Monday and Friday, Off The Ball live from France from 7 o'clock and live from there this Saturday from 1 and Sunday from 12. Uh, by the way, if you're an SSE or Tricity League supporter, you can catch up with our mid-season podcast, Damian Lynch talking about whether or not the break is a good or a bad thing. And John O'Sullivan, who's worked with Athlone and Limerick, among others in the past, uh, joined us to talk about whether or not the licensing actually works. He explained to us how clubs like Athlone and Waterford, who are running into trouble at the moment, actually were able to secure licences. It's it's interesting stuff and you can find it on newstalk.com forward slash rewind. We actually put that podcast on this very site. It's also on iTunes. You can get me on Twitter at any stage. At Oshin Langan is where you'll find me. Until next time, goodbye. Rewind with Oshin Langan.